Well, hello, everyone, and welcome back to Bougie Best Friend Podcast. I'm your host, Coco. If this is your first time with us, welcome. I'm so excited to have you here. If you've been here for a while, thank you for being a part of the Bougie Bestie community. I really appreciate you listening, tuning in every single week. I see all your comments. I see your reviews. It makes me so, so, so happy. Let me give you a little preview of today's episode. I'm speaking to Lisa Gilmore. I love Lisa. I'm actually like, I'm so, so, so excited for you to tune into this episode because we talked about a lot of things. She's a content creator, podcaster. Her show is called Unwinding. And she also has a jewelry line called M Club. When I was planning this episode with Lisa, we had a few calls before and we were like, what are we going to focus on this episode? And like, we're friends. So we were like brainstorming. And the focal point of this episode was supposed to be how to be happy single. But we touched on so many different topics. Obviously, we discussed, you know, she is single. So we discussed how it is to be single in today's world when you were like almost 30. And oh my goodness, you're single. Crazy. So we talked about that and all this bullshit that society kind of put onto us and that we have to be married by a certain age or we have to do this by a certain age. A few other topics we touched on was something I never ever discussed on this podcast, and that is how to deal with death in the family. That is something very sensitive. And um, unfortunately, Lisa lost her dad 10 years ago. So she shared how she coped with that and how that kind of impacted her life going forward. We also talked about friendships. We talked about pursuing your dreams, your mindset, your mindfulness. Before we jump into the episode, I would kindly, kindly ask all of you bougie besties to click that follow, subscribe button, depending where you're listening to your podcast. It means so, so much to me that you follow the show, that you get podcast updates every single week when I drop a new episode. And don't forget to leave a rating and review if you're enjoying my podcast. It means so, so much to me. Okay, time to tune in. Let's hear from Lisa. Lisa, hi. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm so excited Welcome. to be talking to you. Welcome to Bougie Best Friend Podcast. It's fascinating that I had to go to Chicago for us to record this, considering we are actual neighbors. But neighbors, here we are. Here we are. I know. Lisa has a podcast. She's going to tell you all about it. She also has a jewelry line, and she is a content creator. So please tell everybody. Who you are? That's, that's a loaded question. That's a loaded question that you're going to throw. Let's start with your me. horoscope sign. I don't think I ever ask you that. Okay, I love it. I am a Capricorn. I'm a okay. Capricorn rising, Capricorn sun, Scorpio moon. So, in other words, I'm nuts. I'm Scorpio moon too. We talked about this. I'm pretty yeah. sure because we were both yeah. like, yeah, yeah. The, it's. Are you okay? Are you doing okay? I'm. I'm, I'm okay. I had better days uh, today. <laughs> I my aura ring wasn't really happy with the sleep schedule I had. That's why um, I refuse to get one because I don't need that kind of negativity in my life. I don't need the aura ring telling me that I failed every fucking morning, you know? No, I, I love my aura ring, honestly. And I people think that I like I like work for them as much as I'm promoting them all the time, but I really should, love should, them. Um, aura ring, sponsor your girl. Yeah, can we have a collab, please? Uh, but I love it because it tells me everything I'm doing. And you can't really improve your life if you don't track your current habits. I know. So like, I know I, I need some accountability. Okay. So back to you. Um, what is the name of your podcast? What is your podcast about? Tell me about your jewelry line. Actually, tell me where did you grow up? Okay. Um, I grew up in Costa Rica and I was born and raised there until I was 18, 19. I had kind of like, of my life changed really out of the blue really quickly when I was 18, right after I graduated high school, I was about to go off to college and my dad got sick, like out of the blue was super healthy, healthiest man ever. And considering I, 
have such a small family, had and have such a small family, and I was so close to my parents, I just didn't feel right whatsoever going to college, knowing something was not okay. And granted, at the beginning, we didn't know how severe it was going to be. It honestly, it honestly, we all thought it was going to be really minor and treatable and manageable, right? So I was like, you know what? I'm just going to defer for a semester until everything is okay. I ended up deferring an entire year because it just, it was tumultuous and it was, it kept getting worse and it would get better. He basically had like a tumor um, and then it spread. So um, he ended up having lung cancer, chemo, radiation. We'd, it was like, uh, we're, this is a happy episode, so I'm, we're not going to get into that, <laughs> but it's real life, honestly. And yeah. it just is crazy how like you, you know how sometimes you feel like you see something happen to someone and you're like, I would die if that happened to me. You know mm-hmm. how you like think that you're like, wow, I, I don't know what I would do if that happened to me. Like that is one of those things that I always thought I was like, oh my God, like, no, you know, like you think you're like, mm-hmm. you think you're special in that some, some of these things like will never happen to you, but life is crazy sometimes. And so, yeah, that happened. And he ended up passing away like in a year, within a year. So obviously that like shook me a little bit, you know, I was like, I don't know. What, how old I, were you then? 18. Well, uh, 19 when he passed away. So mm-hmm. 10 years ago now, which is crazy. Um, and so obviously after that, I was like, I don't know where I want to live anymore. I don't know where I want to go to school anymore. I had lost all of my acceptances because after a year, you're, you're only allowed to defer for a year. After that, it's invalid. You have to reapply. Mm-hmm. So I was like, the last thing I wanted to do was go through that whole process again and whatever. Long story short, my life is a really long story. I'll summarize it. I ended up going to school in D.C., Never been there, never in my wildest dreams thought I would end up in D.C., ended up going to school there, loved it, had such a beautiful experience. I loved college. And then after that, I, again, was unsure what I wanted to do. I feel like most of us after we graduate college, we're like, what the fuck? And what did you go I to school to- for? I studied um, marketing, business, communications. My, mm-hmm. my major was like strategic communications and business. Mm-hmm. So, but like... Ask me if I'm using anything that I learned in college. <laughs> I mean, marketing, in my job right now. kinda. <laughs> you yeah. would think so, but like, yeah. uh, you know I what like... I think about my, about what I think about college is college is a great way to meet like-minded people and to connect totally. with people who have like aspirations in life. And if I could do this all over again, if I can go to college again, I would find the most expensive college I could afford. Because I would know that, you know, other people who want to invest in their education, and it's not even education, you don't learn that much in college, like at least I didn't learn much in my college, I learned how to navigate different Mm -hmm. scenarios, I learned how to present in front of a class and like, I just think that going back now, I would literally find the most expensive school, I would go there so I can mingle and create connections with those people versus like going to a whatever bullshit school just to like you know check that just off your get, list just to get a degree yeah 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 i honestly i think it's better to go to a good school and you know work really hard and like or go to a school where you maybe a medical or whatever something that you really want instead of just finishing something whatever like i would not go to a college to just like oh just to have a degree and then you never really like you don't even like it i think if you're going to school for 4 or 5 years and you hate what you're learning What's the point? I couldn't agree more. And I didn't mean to sound ungrateful by saying that. Like, I always think about how 
lucky i've i feel that i got to even leave costa rica go like move to the states (laughs) have that experience (laughs) no i know but like it's you know i'm like why why did i say it like that i just mean like i think the things that i learned in college were not as much about my actual major Mm -hmm. but more so like you said like those invaluable skills of how to learning how to navigate people and living alone Mm -hmm. and yourself and being far and becoming independent and you know all these other things that like you can't you can't buy those things you can't buy those lessons you know like for example my boyfriend he went to a really good school mm-hmm. and i grew up in croatia i went to a croatian school and like today his friends from school you know one of them has a company that does this the other one is a lawyer the other one has that the other one is a doctor like everybody is doing something with their life because if yeah. you don't want to make it in life you wouldn't go to that school unless totally. your parents you know figure it out whatever but okay back to you so you went to school in dc and then I went to school after in that DC. yes and then after that i didn't i wasn't sure where i wanted to live yet i didn't want to move back home to costa rica because i knew career-wise there was just little opportunity and what i wanted to do which was something in the realm of marketing, social media, digital media, all these things, right? So I was like, I don't want to move back yet. And it's also just, I wanted more life. I wanted more of a fast paced environment. It's very slow. It's very small. It's just like a puddle. Like it's just too small for what I wanted. So I did move back at the beginning while I figured out where I wanted to live. And after like a year and a half or so, I ended up in Miami. Again, Mm -hmm. long story, but I ended up here. (laughs) And I... It's crazy that I'm here though, because so my dad actually ended up passing away here because we came here multiple times for him to get radiation, for him to get certain treatments, for him to get different medical attention, chemo, the whole thing. So in that year when he got sick, we were hopping back and forth between um, Costa Rica and Miami. And I can, I can see the building where I lived with my parents when we like came here for like a few months. And then he ended up passing away here. And so when I left Miami that time, I was like, fuck this city. Like, Mm -hmm. I hate it here. Like, I'm never coming back. Like, obviously, it's not Miami's fault, but there was just, it was tainted. It was so tainted for me. So it's so crazy that, you know, eight, seven, eight years later, I was like, oh, I kind of, I was able to look at it in a different way and actually start to make it a home and I moved here with one of my best friends who was at also graduating college. And we were just like, let's just see if we like it. Let's just see how it is, whatever. And we both just felt so at home here, despite how awful it was for me at the beginning. It almost in a twisted way now makes me feel not like closer to him, obviously, but like I walk past that building and I can mm-hmm. look at it and think of all the things that I can look at it in a happy way. I can look at it with like with gratitude rather than feeling so sad about it. So Mm -hmm. I ended up moving to Miami. I've been here for the last like four years and I quit my job. I was doing like social media management for an agency here and I quit my job like a month before we shut down the world when COVID (laughs) happened. Obviously I didn't know that was going to happen, but (laughs) I had been, I had been wanting for fucking years, like a decade of my life. I wanted to I first wanted to start a YouTube channel. The first time I ever watched a YouTube like beauty video, I was like, holy fuck, this is my calling. Like, this is what I want to do. Like, I want to show people how to put makeup on, even though I don't know how to do it. You do. Actually, you do a good job with your makeup. 
Thank and you. And your eyebrows. I was, and I oh, mean, your hair you. is beautiful. I don't know who's... So I, I'm dropping video episodes on Spotify. So whoever's watching mm -hmm. on video, I'm also <laughs> dropping them on YouTube. Check out Lisa. <laughs> I mean, we're going to give your socials. You. No, honestly, your eyebrows are on point. Thank you. You know what I do? I literally, all I do to them, they're fluffy, they're big, but mm -hmm. I, all I do is put hair gel, like this mm -hmm. gel that I get on Amazon and I just use a spoolie. That's it. That's yeah, the only thing yeah. I do. Yeah. I just yeah, brush them up. Uh, that's a makeup art, makeup artist secret. So you got that somewhere. TikTok. Thank you, TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, anyway, so yeah. You, I, you know what? Actually, uh, I just want to talk about for a second. <clears throat> this like when we got into this episode we totally did not plan to talk about you know a death of a parent or death of somebody in in, in you know a family mm -hmm. but i'm happy that we kind of touched on that because i'm sure a lot of people can relate so yeah. is there anything that you did that made you feel better because like that kind of pain there's nothing that can really um you know there's nothing that you can really do to just make that go away i wish i would have gone to therapy sooner and I know that's maybe a frustrating answer because it's not accessible to everyone and I wish it were, but that really is when my life started to change is when I went to therapy. I will say though, I think it's so relative to what happened because it was so fast and it was just a year of him getting sick to passing away, but I was there every step of the way. Like I was there more than anyone like well my mom and I obviously but I my life that year was him and being there so knowing that we did everything knowing that he tried everything knowing that I was there every second of the way it doesn't make anything better but I'm so grateful that at the end it was like there was nothing else for us to do like it, his body literally gave up and so there's almost a, a piece in that where you're like you're heartbroken, you're best, devastated, yeah. but you're like, there was nothing more I could have done. It wasn't like what my dad was, um, he was so into like motorcycles and adrenaline and like sports cars and all this shit. Right. So every time he would like go out in his sports car and go like, just run it with his friends. I don't know. I don't know why that was a, why he wanted to do that. My mom and I would just be at home. Like, Oh my God, like <laughs> praying nothing would happen to him. And so when he passed away, I was like, thank God. Like, I hate that this happened. Obviously I wish I could take it back in a second, but I'm so grateful that it's like, there was a beginning and there was an end and there was like a process mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. it makes it so much easier to like digest the fact that like, there's literally nothing else I could have done. And mm -hmm. after the fact, I think, I think what I would say to somebody and what I would have loved to hear if I were grieving is like, it gets better. It really does. Like, it's going to suck for a while. And I'm not saying it doesn't suck for me right now. There are some days that on a random Tuesday at 4.30 p.m. outside Starbucks, I'll think of something and be like, fuck, and my day's ruined. Yeah, absolutely, mm -hmm. that happens. But obviously, time helps so much. And I think, like, accepting the grieving process, accepting that it's not linear, accepting that it's going to look so different for everybody, accepting that you're going to be angry at first, you're going to be sad, you're going to be happy, then you're going to be angry again, like accepting that there's going to be all these steps, whether it's three forward, two to the side, one back, and then again, accepting that and taking the pressure off yourself to just like get over it. I wish I would have done that because I was so, I just wanted to like jump right back into like, I'm a really happy person. And I just wanted to jump right back into that. And obviously that's just fucking impossible. So, mm -hmm. so how did think, you, how did you finally like get back into your life? I mean, how did you get I back into I, your habits and stuff? Yeah. I, I mean, I think it's just starting slowly. You know, I think it's just for me at that point, I was 19. I was, you know, my life was just starting. Some could argue. And I, 
was about to go to college. So for me, I was like, I'm going to stop. And this is honestly when I stopped planning my life so much because that's why I don't like if somebody asked me like, what's your five-year plan? I I'm not going to answer that. I have no fucking clue. I don't even know what I'm doing tomorrow. And I don't want to know either. Like I obviously have goals and intentions and I'm really clear on that, but you're not going to hear me asking somebody like, what are your five-year goals? I don't, it's not how I think anymore because I planned my life and God like laughed at me and he was like, Mm -hmm. no, that's not how it's going to happen. So I think like, I just took the next step. Like what, what is the next step right now? That's what, that's all I started to think about was like, what can I do right now? And for me, that was, okay, I'm going to figure out where I'm going to college. And then once I got to college, I started just trying to live my life there, you know? And I think it's like a day by day thing. And that's sort of how I started to feel more normal was just slowly jumping back into life and trying to do all the things that I know he would have wanted me to do. Thank you for sharing this. Honestly, this is so of beautiful. Of course. Um, you mentioned intention. And that's mm-hmm. something I really want to talk to you about because I see that you're really intentional with your time. And I see that even when when we are in Miami and, you know, like you, you take your time, like you don't just go out with random people. You protect yeah. your peace a lot. And that is so, so, so important. And I really... You inspired me many times to start journaling again because you were posting your like morning journals and stuff. So I would love to talk to you about living life with intention and what made you realize how important it is to be mindful? I think it's a layered question because I feel like I'm so grateful for how my parents raised me because my mom always raised me to to literally just be thankful for every single thing in the world. I can't wait to and meet so, your mom, by the way. I'm she's obsessed an angel. with her. <laughs> no, everybody loves her more than they love me once they meet her. I know my time is over when somebody meets yeah. her. But no, yeah, she, she's, she's always on your Instagram. She's so cute. You know, I think it's a it's a mixture of like just how I was raised to, to just be so appreciative for everything. And then I went through like a huge self-growth um like journey I guess I hate that word but like moment in my 20s in my like mid 20s where I totally lost myself and so finding myself again that was one of the biggest themes of of getting back to like reconstructing my self-worth and like becoming my own friend because it was I totally damaged that by myself by the way like nothing happened like there was yeah I was about to ask did something happen was there a breakup involved or something like that no what, what happened no so what what happened was I long story short I basically became so fixated on my appearance Mm-hmm. I became so, I was so sucked into diet culture, like so sucked in to where it became my whole life. And I'm a very, like I said, I'm a Capricorn. I'm also like a type A bitch. I'm such a perfectionist <laughs> and I have a very sticky mind. So when I think something, good luck getting me to not think it. And I really get attached to things, you know, very easily sometimes. So I have to be careful with like, that's why I'm so careful with what I do and and everything now, because I know that about myself now, but I was, I think it started when I was like right after college, even though I had always struggled a little bit with my body because I looked throughout high school, I looked the same. I was very thin. I just, you know, I ate whatever I wanted. I didn't think about food. I had the Mm -hmm. best time growing up with that. 
And then after college, my body started to change a little bit. Like definitely I developed way later. Like I kind of got hips and like, you know, whatever I'm tall. Like I just, I started to be like, whoa, whoa, what the fuck? And after college, I really was like, okay, I, I got into fitness, but to a, to an unhealthy extent. And so I was just so focused on shrinking my body as much as humanly possible. And you know how some people like, unfortunately, maybe it's in a relationship or maybe a family member, somebody who's supposed to give them so much love instead attaches them to this notion that they're not worthy. You know, like maybe you, you feel unworthy because of a, a, a bad breakup or a friend or whatever it is. Like, I know that happens to people and it's so sad. I did that to myself. Like I literally to myself said, you're not worthy until you look this way. And it was always until fill in the blank. And that goalpost kept moving because it's it, it, that's the problem when like you attach your worth to something physical, in my, in my opinion, it's never enough. You're never going to be satisfied. We're also greedy motherfuckers. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? So I thought in my head, I was like, once I fit into that, once I'm that size, once my body looks that way, then I will be happy. Then I will be confident. Then I'll start dating. Then I'll start my YouTube channel, whatever it is. Right. And the goalpost just kept moving and moving and moving. And I just kept getting more and more deep into this to the point where I had a full-fledged eating disorder. It took over my whole life and my sense of self was shattered. Totally. I had no self-worth and my worth was attached to literally how much I worked out. If I stayed on track with my meals and the way that my body looked. So that I I reached a point where I was like, okay, I need help. You know, I I was 27. So this wasn't like so long ago. What about your friends and family around you? Did anybody notice something or talk to you? So that's the thing about eating disorders is I think it's a huge misconception that I think people have this idea in their mind that somebody with an eating disorder looks extremely thin or unhealthily thin. And while that can be true, it's also not true at all. There's so many people in of all shapes and sizes that might be going home to an eating disorder, but we have no idea. So my body never changed so drastically. In my eyes, it did, obviously, because I was so fixated on it. But I probably fluctuated 10 pounds to what I look like now, you know? So physically, it wasn't like a concern. I always looked, I looked good. I looked really fit. And it was only a few people, because again, when you have an eating disorder, and if anyone's listening and has one, they will probably feel identified to this. It takes over your whole life in a way that you only let people in to a certain extent. So I, I, I was very, I had walls up like extreme, extreme walls up because I didn't want anyone to like be able to see what I was doing and see like the unhealthy things that I was doing and see the diff- the unhealthy patterns that I was engaging in whether it just be like what I was eating or how little I was eating or how I would track even a fucking strawberry on my fitness pal before I was allowed to eat it like it was crazy um to me that I don't want to live a life like that anymore and so there was only like one or two friends that really like would sometimes see things and be like you know that just are you okay? Like, I don't know if you don't be so, you know, it's okay. You can eat that. Or like, maybe we'd go out to eat and I would never eat anything that anybody ordered because I was like, I can't, that's not allowed for me. And some of them would be like, what, what's up? Like, why can't you, you're going to be fine. It's okay. Or if I was working out three times in a row one day, one of my friends would be like, how about we go out instead? You know? And so I guess to answer the question, only a few people would say a few comments, 
But I don't, the thing is, I didn't let anybody see how bad it actually was. So eating disorders are a huge topic that I'm not really diving into because I never really had one and I don't feel adequate mm -hmm. talking about something. But I do see myself, I eat whatever I want because I can still afford to, like my body doesn't mm -hmm. really fluctuate that much, but I do also work out and I am usually on the healthier side. But like recently I started just like eating whatever I wanted to eat because we were traveling a bunch, a lot of weddings and a lot of stuff. And then I see how I started like hating myself when I saw that I'm gaining weight. And even though I'm, you know, very big on, I know my worth, I know my strengths, I know my weaknesses. And I'm like, oh, my arms are getting a little fat. Oh, shit. <laughs> I, I gotta fix that. But I, again, I'm not that extreme. But I do see myself measuring my worth or adding additional value to me as a person when I'm like, when I look a certain way or, but I also think totally. that's connected to like, when you feel good. Okay. I I'm think, gonna, yeah. no, I get exactly what you're saying. And this is where people, this is, there's, a, this is a, a blurry line, right? Because I, I just did an episode about this of where wanting to look good is so okay. Wanting to take care. I love when I feel good. I love working out. I love eating healthy. The difference is my mindset and my intention is so different to what it used to be. Like it used to consume my life. It was mm -hmm. the only part of my life. Now it's a big part of my life. It's not the only part of my life. And now I also know that I am allowed to not like certain things about myself. I'm allowed to be working on certain things about myself. And I'm also allowed to live my life at the same time. It doesn't mean I have to pause my life just because I think I could lose five pounds. And that's what I used to do. I would, mm. I was living conditionally. I was like, you're only allowed to do this once that happens. So that's, 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 I think it's all about our mindset and our intention behind it, literally. So what you were saying, you're allowed to be like, oh man, I want my arms mm -hmm. to look like the way they were mm -hmm. looking like a few months ago. You're allowed to, to feel that and think that. And you're also allowed to be like, I'm a beautiful fucking queen. Like you're allowed to think like both things can be true at once. Mm -hmm. You're not like sitting there. If you were telling me like you were sitting there punishing yourself and not eating a whole day because you're like, mm -hmm. fuck my arms. Like, see, that's where I think we like sometimes take it too far. Right. But I think there's nothing wrong with wanting to look good. Mm -hmm. And, and that being a priority, I think it's just about letting it control your life. You know what I mean? So how did you get out of that? Therapy. Mm. Like I, I reached a point where I was like, okay, I, I feel like I'm a very ambitious bitch. And yes, you are. <laughs> you absolutely my, are. <laughs> if I set my mind to something, like I'll do it somehow. And I realized that I was like, I can't stop these patterns that I was engaging in. I was like, I can't stop. Like that's when it started to become terrifying to me where I was like, I feel like I can't stop. I feel like I'm literally like addicted to this. Like I can't stop doing this. I can't stop thinking about this. It, it consumed my whole life. And so I said, okay, I, I think I just, I need help. Like I can't do this. And I think that's the first moment when I started to get scared was when I was like, okay, I, I need help. When I couldn't stop, I was like, I need help. So I, Went to, I found a therapist and I got so lucky because I feel like finding a therapist is kind of like dating, mm -hmm. you know, like you might, you guys might not vibe initially. Yeah. And I walked in, we had our first session and I was like, she's going to change my life. Oh, and she really? Did. Okay, great. Yeah. That's, that, that's, that's great to hear because I know a lot of people who go to therapy and they give up because they 
or like, oh, I didn't like her or I, she didn't understand me or she made me feel worse. I love therapy. Therapy completely changed my life. And I know it's easy to just always say like, oh, just go to therapy. But honestly, sometimes I, that well, is... <laughs> I, I would be lying to you if I gave you a different answer. Mm -hmm. Like mm -hmm. that is what changed my life. I went twice a week for a year to see my wow. therapist. I had a dietitian on the side. So I was basically doing like three sessions a week, which was fucking brutal. It was so hard, but like it changed my life, you know? And then after that, I, I stopped seeing my dietitian and then I kept seeing my therapist twice to once a week for another year. I'm not seeing her right now. I miss her so much. Mm -hmm. I love her so much, but, um, yeah, that's what honestly changed my life is her and what the work that we did. So what is your relationship with food today? I feel like it will always be something I struggle with because it was so difficult for so long, but I'm really proud of the growth that I've been able to have where I now understand that food is not the enemy. You know, we make it the enemy and diet culture, a billion fucking dollar industry mm -hmm. makes it the enemy with its labels and it's the way that it makes us feel about food is the problem, right? So unlearning all of those things has been really hard. And it's something that I, again, I feel like I'll always have to work on it, but I developed such a large toolbox in therapy to where now I can see food and understand that like food is meant to be enjoyed. I love mm -hmm. food. I fucking love to eat. Like I really do. And I know what makes me feel good. I know what doesn't make me feel good. I know that food is not just a number, which is what it was before. I would look at food and just Think of the macros, mm -hmm. of the macronutrients in my head. Now I look at it and I'm like, food is a beautiful thing, you know? And I'm lucky that I get to like eat. And, and truly, like it's a privilege that I get to like have an abundance of fucking food in my life. Mm -hmm. So now I look at it with way more flexibility, with a whole different mindset. That's not to say that I don't have days where I'm like, fuck, you know? I, ate, I feel like I ate too much today. I feel like I shouldn't have eaten that. I feel like I, whatever. We all have those moments. I'm mm -hmm. human. I'm not a fucking robot. I'm going to have those moments. The difference now is I can talk myself out of that, out of those thoughts. And you don't you know? punish yourself in a certain way. I used to. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I used to punish myself. And now I don't because now I treat myself with respect and I treat myself kindly for the most part. Sometimes I can be a little bitch to myself, <laughs> but usually I treat myself with a lot of fucking compassion. So I don't punish myself the way that I used to. Thank God. The first thing that really started to change my life was taking inventory of the way that I was speaking to myself and about myself and the things that I was saying out loud. People don't realize how impactful words are. People think it's okay to say these things about themselves out loud. I understand thoughts are harder to control, right? I get that. But you're in full control of what you're saying. You're in full control of the things you're verbalizing. I don't care if it's a joke. I don't care if you're trying to be funny. I don't care if you're trying to self-deprecate in front of a crowd. Watch the shit that you say about yourself out loud because you're the only one that can hear that. You talk to yourself more than you talk to anybody else in your life and you will forever. So the first thing you got to do is clean that shit up. Like... I made a rule probably a few months into therapy where I was like, no more negative self-talk, none. If I wouldn't say that shit to my best friend who I adore, why am I saying that to myself? It makes mm -hmm. no sense. So that's the first thing. And I'm not, when I say that, I don't mean start lying to yourself. I don't mean stand in front of a mirror and say all these things. No, I'm not saying that. We don't have to jump from 
hatred to love. And that's a huge thing that I misunderstood as well is, you know, with your self-love, it's such a buzzword online and I'm happy about that. I'm glad we're talking about that, but I wish there was also more emphasis on like self-acceptance as well, because for somebody who hates themselves or hates the situation they're in or doesn't like the way they look or doesn't think they're pretty enough, whatever it is for somebody who feels this way, for them to jump to self-love, that's a big fucking jump. And there's a lot of groundwork that happens in the middle. So why can't we just aim for like, let's try to aim for self-acceptance or just neutrality. You know, you don't have to love everything. We can just like be neutral about certain things. And when my therapist explained that to me, because I I said to her, I was like, I'm never going to love myself. I'm never going to be able to say that I love myself because there's certain things that I know I will never love about myself. And she's like, but who says you have to love everything? Like, that's okay. You, how about we just like accept certain things? It's, it's fine. You're still allowed to love yourself, even if there's things that you're working on, even if there's things that you don't necessarily think you will ever love, even if there's things you're trying to accept. That's okay. All of these thoughts can be true at once. So for me, the, the self-talk has been a game changer. And I'll catch myself too. Like, again, not a robot. If I say some shit out, out loud that I'm like, what do you, why are you saying that? Like, that's fucking rude. Why are you saying that to yourself? Like, absolutely not. I'll catch myself. I'll have a moment. And then we, we get back to business. Right. So the negative self-talk was the first thing. And the second thing was taking the pressure off of myself of like having to love everything mm-hmm. and just telling myself like, it's okay. You can just accept certain things. You can just be neutral about certain things. Maybe one day we'll get there and that's fine. So I would encourage someone if they're feeling that upset about whatever it is, is let's work on the inner dialogue first and take some pressure off yourself, treat yourself with a little more compassion. And if you're in a situation where the things around you, the people around you are not fulfilling you, then the next step is to make, to take inventory of who you're letting into your life, because that's also something you can control. There's so many things we can't control, but you're in full control of who you're giving your time to in terms of like your friendships and stuff, right? Like that's fully within your control. So if you're not happy, do something about it. And I don't mean to like tough love, but it's like, Oh, I'm a I tough love you, kind of girl. Come on. I think you, you know what the, yeah, I feel like I can be like this with you, but I feel like it's people are too scared to feel uncomfortable that they'd rather stay in shitty situations, whether that's a relationship, a fuck boy who's treating them like shit friends that they actually don't like a job that they're miserable at. And I say that, and I feel like I have to qualify for a second, the job part, because I know that sometimes you can't just run mm-hmm. away. You know, I understand that. I, I, I empathize with that. I get it. But the other areas, people are too scared to be, people are too scared sometimes to be alone, to be uncomfortable. So they'd rather put up with shit that they're, that's not fulfilling them. And the only person who is losing in that situation is you like you're the only one who's doing a disservice to yourself by putting up with shit and people that you're actually not obsessed with you know so take inventory of those things and make changes like it doesn't have to be it, you don't have to cut everybody off from one day to the next but take a second take a second to be take a second with yourself and intentionally think about who is actually in your life who is getting the, who is getting your energy is it a reciprocal friendship relationship? Do you want it to be stronger? Do you want this person in your life? Like, I don't know, like truly whoever's listening, sit back and think about when was the last time you actually sat back 
And I think it's really important. You know, we'll do that with our food. We'll do that with our makeup. We'll do that with like our workouts. We'll sit there and think about fucking overthink everything. How about you think about the people in your life as well and like the things that you're giving your time to? How much we're overthinking our Instagram captions. That's how much time we should spend. Like Your fucking story yeah. and which of the five selfies that look the exact same, yeah. which yeah. one to post. Like, that's fine. You can overthink that, but let's overthink everything else as well. I'm very happy to reopening a friendship conversation here because I had such an interesting relationship with friendships my whole life. So this is something I never, ever, ever shared. I don't think I Tell even me. like talk to anybody. I was just going to say, this. I want to yeah. hear all yeah, about no, this it. This is crazy. So my entire life, I was always searching for be- a best friend. Like I always wanted to have a best friend. And when I was going, Croatia has a different schooling system. So it's not like junior, sophomore. I don't even know what all these things are. But like when I was <laughs> in for, like elementary school, I had a best friend. And then actually, no, sorry. Let me correct myself immediately. My parents moved two, three times when we were growing up because of work. So mm-hmm. it was very hard for me to like have a friend and like stick with them because we moved around a lot. And then yeah. at the beginning, I always felt like that new girl, new girl in school. And then I remember, I think I was eight years old. So that was like second grade in Croatia. And I came to this new school and everybody already had a best friend. And I was like, fuck, I'm alone. Yeah. I was miserable. Yeah. I was crying every single day. Down the line, obviously, I found friends. And then in high school, I had a best friend. But I always had this, like, I want to have a best friend. And then something would happen. And I'm like, you don't deserve to be my best friend. Like, you're not my best friend. So I always had this, like, I'm giving you this uh, official title. Mm -hmm. And you just, like, disrespected it. So Mm -hmm. this might sound funny. But ever since, like, I got into a fight with my best friend from college. We're still friends today, but obviously not best friends. I, I de- decided I'm never going to call somebody my best friend again. And since that day, <laughs> nobody's my best friend besides my, my boyfriend and my brother and my family and all that. So when I moved to the U.S. when I was 22, I moved on my own. You know, some, for some people, it would be like very scary to leave your entire friend group, mm-hmm. your family. And it was scary for me. And honestly, looking back now, I was like, what the fuck? I would do this all over again. But I just like, how did you have the courage but no, I the know, balls. yeah, like, you had the balls. <laughs> I was like, I was, I came here, I came to America with a hundred dollars and high standards <laughs> for real. And I was like, let me see what's going to happen. Yeah, you um, fucking did. And um, yeah, so when I came to the US, I was very outgoing and I was like meeting a lot of people and I was trusting people real fast. And then people obviously mm. fucked me over. So with time, I learned to be very... I wouldn't say critical. I can't really think. Guarded? Like, not. I, I started being very picky with who my actual friends are. So like I have a million acquaintances. And when yep. people see me, they're like, you have so many friends. I'm like, actually, it, that's maybe how it appears on Instagram. But I mm-hmm. know that I can call maybe five people right now and ask them for a favor. Because yep. a lot of these other people... And I'm not saying that I'm ungrateful for having like all these acquaintances and people I can, you know, hey, say hi to at an event, but it's way different who I actually let inside of my life and who is there just like on the outside. Like half of these people who maybe I even take photos or on Instagram and this and hang out, they don't know anything was going on in my life. And people sometimes also like when you work in the social media content world, people are, you know, they want to 
work together, collaborate, and then sometimes, unfortunately, take advantage of you, which also happens. But where I'm getting with all of this is after my 30th birthday, I moved. So I was living in New York for seven years. Excuse me. Those seven years were very interesting, to say the least. I mean, I pretty much grew up in New York on my own, which was like tough. But if you can do that, you can do anything. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But when I moved to Miami, I was just before my 30th birthday. And I, when I moved there, I was, I knew some people because like I was flying to Miami sometimes from New York, just like to hang out. But I was Mm -hmm. hanging out with the wrong crew entirely. They were, there's nothing wrong with them. They're just not the type of people that I want to have in my life. And we all know that. They were wrong for you. They were wrong, they were for, wrong you. for me. Yeah. And we all know yeah. that saying, like, you are who you spend your time with. Or yeah. So I was like, okay, if I want to go where my, you know, if I want to achieve my dreams, I have to make some changes. So what can I change? I can change who I decide to spend time with. I can change my habits. I can change who I surround myself with. And just around my 30th birthday, I started dating my boyfriend. So that was like, you know, the honeymoon phase and we were just spending so mm-hmm. much time together. But it helped me to really reevaluate who who am I surrounding myself with? Because he, for example, he grew up with five, six close friends and like he always had them close and they were like best friends. for You know, there's like a very core group. And I was always yeah. like bouncing around and trying to figure out my crew and stuff and like I always I was always aiming to find that group like four or five girls and we're going to be like, you know, the Spice Girls, best friends forever or whatever. Yep. And I never I was never able to find it. And I was like, what is wrong with me? Why can't I find like five girlfriends and then we're all friends together? And then at some point I created like a mini group of girls and we, you know, we're going out together and this and that. And I was just like, I don't feel good here. Like Hmm. they're good people. But I don't, I, I, I felt suffocated and I felt like I'm very independent and I can just like yeah. handle my own self wherever I go. And I'm not saying anything specific about anybody specific, but like there was these few girls that are just like, I felt like I have to babysit them everywhere I go. Yeah. And I have to like introduce them to people. I have to like, when I would go out with them, it would be more work for me to make sure they're comfortable And then, God forbid, I wanted to do something else that they didn't want to do. Long story short, I decided to be really mindful of who I spend my time with. I reevaluated my entire friendship, all of my friends, and I started to organize them accordingly. So people have this tendency of, you know, I'm friends with this person for five, ten years. So, like, they're going to be in my life because of the history. You don't have to keep them in your life if they are not good for you, especially because like you have, yeah, we're loyal to these external factors that don't really matter. Like you can find a friend like you and I, how we know each other for, I don't know how many months even, but I feel like you and I really get along well because we're in the same stage of life right now. Maybe, you know, maybe we're going to separate at some point. Maybe we won't. God knows. But like, you know, you can't just like, you shouldn't give your time and energy towards people who you see they're just they're just like not good for you i have so many thoughts can i okay please please jump in with your thoughts first of all i just want to validate when you said all you ever wanted was like a best friend or like a group of girlfriends and i think that so many people listening to this will probably be able to identify with that because i think even just growing up in the in what what we saw in movies and on tv was always like 
you know, the two best friends or the group of girlfriends. And we all wanted that. So I think that's such a normal thing that you wanted and that you wanted. Ultimately, I think what it comes down to, like it's semantics, right? It's, it doesn't, it's more so just how somebody makes you feel. I think some, I think we get lost in general, worrying so much about how something looks like having that group of girls, having that best friend. Like we're so worried about how we're being perceived and how things will look externally. And we stop thinking about how does it actually fucking feel? Because you can have that group of girlfriends, but if it feels like shit, why the fuck are you, do you have it? Is that worth like, is that worth your mental peace? You know, when you see all these girls on Instagram posting bullshit, each other, best friends, my friends found my gang, my girls forever, girls trips, this and that. But like, there's so much that goes behind that, which I can attest and admit myself something that I was thinking about when you were saying, you know, you were trying to find this group and trying to find this group and whatever. And once you treat yourself respectfully, once you treat yourself compassionately, once you enjoy spending time with yourself, the level of what you accept from other people totally fucking changes. And it sounds like we both had that, that, that sort of like, not epiphany, but in a way of I like, would say epiphany, you realize like, wow, like, I deserve this. I treat myself like a fucking queen. What makes you think I'm going to accept anything less from anybody else? And that includes the people you date, includes your friends, includes everything. So I think that's why having like such a strong sense of self is always what I will go back to because once that's established, which doesn't mean it's perfect, obviously it never will be, but once that's established, you don't let people talk crazy to you. You don't put up with friends that are treating you like shit. You don't put up with people that maybe they're not even treating you like shit, but maybe you're just not fulfilled. Maybe you just don't feel like, like if you can't go to somebody and tell them something great that's happening in your life and you can't go to them because you feel like they're not going to be happy for you, that's a red fucking flag. Cut them out and, immediately. Immediately. And it's, and it's, I wasted it's so also, much time by like giving people chances. I, I don't know why I got so angry right there, <laughs> like in a second. No, it's okay. But it's yeah. real though. It's it's real. That's that's a huge thing for me because I feel like I really love to cheer people on and I'm very sensitive to that. I don't know why. I'm really sensitive to help people react to good and bad news because I'm the kind of friend that like, if you tell me something good that happened to you, and you're in my life, even if we're friends, good friends, whatever the fuck, it, whatever it is, I will take that as a win for me as well. Mm -hmm. Like you win, I win. I feel like people in general, even again, it all, it's all fucking tied in friendships and in dating. For some reason, I think especially as women, we've been conditioned to feel like there's only so much happiness to go around. Like there's mm -hmm. only so many good men to go around. There's only mm -hmm. so many opportunities to go around. That's fucking bullshit. Unless you believe it, because if you believe it, then that's what's going to be true for you. Mm -hmm. That's just what I think. So when you know that there's room for everyone and there's enough of everything to go around, you celebrate other people and you celebrate them like genuinely. So that's how my mom, my mom raised me. So I'm so, I get so fucking excited for people when something good happens to them. And so I'm so sensitive when I share something, which I don't really do. I, but that's a me problem. That's between me and Jesus. I don't like to talk about stuff like that, but if I do, and it's not received kindly, I'm like, fuck, I feel weird now. And I, it's like, I get the friend ick, you know what I mean? But I think also something that's, you know, when you were saying like, oh, you have all these acquaintances and you have these friends and you have this, whatever. I think it's also so okay 
and you said this too so i just want to like just validate that i agree that like you know you place people kind of according to how they're treating you and and the reciprocity of the friendship and i couldn't agree more i think sometimes people feel bad to say this but i think it's just true and i think we all know it like every kind of friend in your life serves a certain purpose and that's not a bad thing like i know for some maybe for some people i'm like their fun brunch friend and then for Mm -hmm. others i'm like their fucking ride or die like it's okay like not everyone has to be the closest person in your life you're allowed to also just have friends that it's like oh maybe we just go get coffee here and there that's fine. Maybe we just, maybe we're work buddies. That's fine. Maybe we're workout buddies. You're my bridesmaid kind of bitch. It's okay. Not everybody has to take up all this space in your life. But I think what's more important than that is knowing very well where somebody stands in your life and where you stand in their life, you know? Yeah. And you can definitely upgrade and downgrade those friends accordingly. As your life changes you might sometimes feel like you don't have much in common with the friends you had before. Like maybe it's your own personal growth or you have to move cities or this and that. But you can't really take that against people. You feel like you're not as close to your friend as you were before. And and you're blaming them like, oh, they changed. But we obviously we have to change like we have to grow. And it sometimes it sucks that you don't grow at the same not even the same pace, but not in the same direction. Maybe somebody's going towards a more traditional, you know, get married, settle down, live in the suburbs, suburbs life. And then somebody else is like traveling the world, hustling. I just think the point here is to, you know, be very mindful of who your friends are and mm-hmm. don't be afraid to downgrade, upgrade accordingly. And don't be afraid to confront friends when you have an issue with them, but only if you actually care about the friendship. So if you feel that somebody is not really good for you, but you see that they won't understand why, I don't think it makes sense to tell them. Yeah, I I, I agree. And I also think how you said this earlier, where it's like, don't let time invested into a relationship or friendship, don't let time invested be the determining factor of whether or not someone continues to be in your life or not. Because if you're not happy that's what matters not how much time has been invested you know somebody mm-hmm. could have been a certain friend to you at one point and maybe towards the end they're just not showing up in the same way and it's mm-hmm. not fulfilling you whatsoever so you're just gonna be friends with them because you've been friends for five years like that makes no sense because if you look at it if you flip it on its head it's like well i have friends that i've met in the last two years and they feel like i've known them my whole fucking life Mm -hmm. so it works both ways you know what i mean Mm -hmm. this topic is saved for last but it was actually supposed this is supposed to be like the main point of this uh, podcast is how to be happy single oh that's the question take it away (laughs) (laughs) oh my gosh let's, let's, let's go back to um how's the dating life in miami right now so i think i told you this on our coffee date but i have only started having fun dating in like the last two years. I was really closed off to dating. To answer the question, dating right now, I'm having fun. I'm having a lot of fun. But in the last two years, as I've been dating more, I don't know why Jesus keeps sending me men that don't live here. So the theme of my life in the last two years have been men that don't live in Miami. So right now I'm trying something new where I'm trying to actually date guys that live in the same city that i do what a concept that's why you're traveling somewhere every weekend by the way no no (laughs) no no actually no but i so when i told you that i was going through my like lowest points emotionally i was like 20 
24, 25, 26, 27 was when I started to get out of it. So in these years, like there was no space in my life for a deep, meaningful connection. I didn't date. Dating wasn't allowed in my life again, because I was like, until I look a certain way, I'm not dating until then. So I was just fooling around. I wasn't my own friend. How the fuck was I going to date somebody? Like, and I, I, I don't agree with the whole, nobody's going to love you until you love yourself. That shit, that quote, like fucked with me because I was like, well, fuck, no <laughs> yeah. one's ever going to love yeah. me because I will never love myself. So I don't think about it that way. I think I was taking it too literally, but I was pouring from the emptiest broken cup in those years, I was like, you know, even if I would meet a guy that I was like, oh, he's great, you know, I could potentially like him. I was like, uh, two two dates in, maybe I would cut it off because I was like, I don't have space for this. I don't have the emotional bandwidth for this. I don't want vulnerability. I'm not happy with myself. Like, there were so many factors that were limiting me. And I knew that I didn't want to drag someone through the mud while, while I figured my shit out. So dating was not a thing for me, Okay. And then, which I honestly loved because I have spent, you know, the last decade by myself. Like, obviously, I've had, like, flings and stuff here and there. But for the most part, it's been alone, which I think people mistake alone for... That's Lonely. a whole other conversation. <laughs> yeah, it's... it's it's. I say that as a good thing. I don't mean in a, in a bad way because I've seen... First of all, I've worked on myself so fucking much and that was my that's what I needed to do. You know, like that's just how my how my life played out. But I also have now gotten to fill up my life with so many other things, which leads me to how to be happy and single. You know, it's like I couldn't be happier single, which doesn't mean that I don't have days where I'm like, fuck, it would be nice to like, you know, have a guy and like feel of course I have moments like that. But for the most part, I think the foundation of me being able to be so happy by myself started when I started to work on myself 100%. But now in the last few years, especially this year, I've never had more fun dating and being single. And it's because, I mean, it's for a, a list of reasons, but I think there's such a fear that women have. I don't mean to get binary, but it's so, I think, emphasized on women. There's such a fear of being alone. And I understand it. I'm a woman and I'm 29. I get it. You know what I mean? Like we've been conditioned to feel like by 30, we've been conditioned to feel like we have to oblige to these timelines and, and that's how it has to be. And that's the only right way. And I'm also Hispanic. So like, I also feel the pressure culturally and, and from my family. And when I go home for Christmas, it's always like, where's your boyfriend? How, how is dating? I'm like, can you ask me anything else? Like, sure. I'll tell you about the six guys that are on my roster right now, but how about you ask me about work? <laughs> Am I happy? Like, why is that always the fucking question? And again, when I say this, I want a beautiful, fulfilling, incredible relationship. I want that. But until that happens, I'm going to live my best fucking life. And that's where I think people get it wrong. It's like, I want that, but it's not dictating my life because I know it's going to happen. I'm going to take my time until that happens because I want something that's incredible because I know that's what I deserve because I've worked on myself. See, it's like, it's all fucking layered. But so until that happens, I want to fill up my life in the best way that I can with like, shit that I love, people I love, work and and just travel and all of these things. I want a full life so that when somebody comes into my life, they just add to it. And also because I want somebody who has a full life. I don't want to date someone who has nothing fucking going on that just 
personally, I would be bored to death. I want you to have friends. I want you to have a life. You know what I mean? Of course, I want to be the center of your universe, but you better have a fucking life. So I think like, I think this whole being so scared of being single comes with so many archaic societal things, which I totally understand. But you, but I just want women, especially if you're like in your late twenties or early thirties, like give yourself permission to just enjoy the season that you're in, even if it isn't the season that you want, you know, like even if you do ultimately want a relationship and that's like your main focus and you really want that and that's just not happening for you right now, okay, that's fine. Can we just enjoy what's happening right now until that happens? I don't think being miserable miserable about it is going to make that happen any faster. I've given a gift to myself and the gift is I took off all the pressure of having to fulfill certain things by certain times, whether it's a relationship, a family, a baby, a job, accomplishment, whatever it is. I have totally freed myself from these timelines and it's just made me so much happier so I think it's a mixture of like looking at things a different way I think so much literally our whole conversation goes back to mindset and how you treat yourself and that has been like what's been the most life-changing did I even answer your question I feel like you I did. went all over no, the place I love that I actually wrote something down that I found very insightful that's going to be a part of my uh, show notes <laughs> I'm in I'm in this thing in an era called my delusional era where I'm just I'm delusional about everything. I think everything is working out for me. Everything is on my side. Timing is on my side. Everything I want is happening in the way it should. I just, I'm fully fucking believing that. Mm -hmm. And so I already know what's going to happen. I know I'm going to be in a beautiful fucking relationship with who, when, where. I have no idea. I don't know about you. I don't want to, I don't want to look back and be like, wow, I wish I would have like really enjoyed my singleness more. Mm -hmm. Like, if you if you want it and you're putting in the work in yourself and you're a good fucking person, then it's going to fucking happen. So just l- take the pressure off yourself. Enjoy your fucking life. It's okay if you get frustrated here and there. I feel you. But for the most part, don't let that dictate like your happiness, you know? Okay, Lisa, this was honestly amazing. And I feel like we covered so much. And I'm so grateful for your wisdom and no, your time. Thank you for having me. I've been so excited about this. And I like journaled extra long today because I was like, I want to get my mind right. I want to, <laughs> so I want to show up the best way, you know? <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. This was like the highlight of my week, honestly. Mm-hmm. And, um, I can't wait to have you on mine. That's going to be so fucking fun where you can find me, um, at the bar. I'm just kidding. <laughs> at Lisa X Gilmore on IG. Lisa Gilmore was taken, even though she hasn't posted since like 1955. Mm-hmm. My podcast is unwinding and my jewelry brand is at M club. Yeah, I will link everything in the show notes. We didn't even get into the jewelry line, but that's going to be another conversation. Oh my gosh. We, I mean, <laughs> it's okay. We got into so much. I loved yeah. it. Okay. Amazing. Thank you, Lisa. Thank you. Thank you.